Well, good morning. My name is Ron Dozier. I'm the uh, campus pastor here at Good Shepherd Church. So delighted to be with you as we launch out into this brand new series called What's in a Name? Names are very important, not just for people, but particularly uh, for God. And in scripture, uh, God's name is revealed as something that's very precious that I pray over the course of these weeks, we're going to discover uh, together that we will appreciate much more about our God, and we'll see how his name aligns with our life and our identity and who he are and who he made us to be. Amen? Amen. So a couple of things. Uh, we're going to be jumping into Genesis chapter 16 and the a few minutes before then, I want to tell you a couple of things that we hold dear here in leadership, and we believe that the Bible is a library, not a book. It's 66 books, and unlike any other library in the entire world, it's inspired, it's eternal, it's true. So as a church community, we lift it up. That's our way of saying that <clears throat> we stand under the authority of the Bible. We don't worship the Bible, but we do worship the God of the Bible. Amen? Amen? And before I say anything else, let's pray together. God, thank you for the privilege to share your word. And I pray that your Holy Spirit, I would just take your word and just plant it in our hearts, Lord. Thank you for all that you do. Allow me, even now, to preach with Strength, demonstration of your spirit and power, because our faith doesn't rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power that only comes from you, God. We turn our hearts well beyond me and look to you. Speak truth into our lives. Thank you, Lord. You are the God of truth. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Let all who agree say together, amen, amen. Well, listen, I've discovered that life's journey can really be unpredictable. Is there one witness in the building? We can face circumstances that we literally didn't even see coming. And it causes us to ask the question, how in the world did I get here? Now, here equals difficult circumstances. And you don't necessarily see a way out. Yet, you're determined, you feel compelled to do something about it. How did I get here? That's a question that I've asked myself repeatedly throughout my lifetime. I was at a church in Dallas, Texas over 16 years ago, and the pastor and the board just simply couldn't get along, so they voted him out. After the church vote, I, I walked out of there feeling disillusioned, like, what in the world just happened? Thinking about me and my family, and I'm there, and the church just split. How in the world? How did I get here? Well, I think about my struggle with diabetes, and let me tell you, it, it, it is a struggle. Despite working hard on the elliptical at least three times a week, I think we got a picture up there. There I am. <laughs> about three times a week on the elliptical at Planet Fitness. I mean, dieting and exercising, I still have to take insulin to control 
my blood sugar. So I asked the question, how did I get here? But that's not just me that's asking this question. You're asking this question as well. There's a myriad of examples, but collectively, think about it. Who predicted that we go through a global pandemic? Anybody here? Amen. Neither did I. <laughs> but it causes us to ask the question, how in the world did I get here? Or someone's here that you had planned to be with this company for a long time. You invested a lot, did so much for it, and they decided to downsize. And you were the odd person out. And you're left asking the question, how in the world did I get here? Or you were at the altar and you pledged your love for someone. and you, you determined to be there with them to death. Do you part? And your loved one, they opted to leave. And you're sitting there wondering, I didn't choose this. How, how in the world did I get here? Or even you have a loved one that has transitioned on. They, they, they've passed away. And all of a sudden, you're settling into to doing life at a time when you, you, you just figured out what in the world is going on. You don't even have the words to articulate the hurt and the pain that you feel. But you ask the question, how in the world did I get here? And in difficulty, we can also wonder, I know I have, God, where are you? Don't you see what's going on? However, my prayer is that we will discover, even today, that the difficulty doesn't have to be a dead end. No, God will use it as a doorway. You see, because sometimes from our vantage point, looking at our circumstances can be like standing back and looking at just the tip of the iceberg, not realizing that there's so much that's underneath and there's a lot more that meets the eye. And such was the case for a young Egyptian slave girl named Hagar that I want to introduce you to, the passage does, that we're going to be read about in Genesis chapter 16. So turn with me there to Genesis chapter 16 and let me read the first four verses for you. It says this, now Sarah, Abram's wife, had borne him no children, but she had an Egyptian slave named Hagar. So she said to Abram, the Lord has kept me from having children. Go sleep with my, with my slave. Perhaps I can build a family through her. Abram agreed to what Sarah said. Let me just pause and say, men, this is a bad idea. You don't ever, if, you get, if your wife tells you, 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 you don't want to do this. <laughs> so after Abram had been living in Canaan for 10 years, Sarah, his wife, took her Egyptian slave Hagar and gave her to her husband to be his wife. He slept with Hagar and she conceived. When we first meet Hagar in Genesis chapter 16, well, she was the servant of Sarah in the household of Abraham. 
Now in here it's saying Abram, Sarah, because this is before the Lord changed their names. But they were unable to have children. At least Sarah was. Now Abram, Abraham, I'm going to refer to him as Abraham for the rest. Is that okay with you? So without confusion, for the rest of the message. Abraham was one of the most significant persons in scripture. For that matter, in all of history. Do you know that Abraham is the father of all the, of the nation of Israel through Isaac? But check this out. He's also the father of all the Arabs through Ishmael. So those two warring parties, guess what? They have a common denominator with who? With Abraham. And he's also the ancestor of the Messiah. And he's the spiritual father who everybody who calls on Jesus, everybody who believes in Jesus, he is your spiritual father. I don't know if you remember this song coming up. Maybe you do, maybe you don't. Let's, let's try it. The first service, they even sang it with me about Father Abraham. Remember that song? Father Abraham had many sons, and many sons had Father Abraham. You're going to rhyme. And I am one of them, and so are you. Now let's all praise the Lord. Right arm, left arm. Oh, wow, look at that. <laughs> Man, you ought to make a brother dance up in here. We know that by looking back. But Abraham was going forward by faith. God had called him from the Ur of the Chaldees and made him all these promises. You can read about that in Genesis chapter 12. And as he is... He's moving forward by faith, going to the destination where God will tell him. Now, 10 years had passed, we read it, since God told Abraham that he was going to have a son. Now, him and Sarah were well advanced in years. They both were eligible for AARP because he was 85 <laughs> and she was 75 years old. Now, Sarah saw Hagar as a solution to her problem of infertility. So in the culture there, a woman could use a servant as a surrogate in order to have a child. The only problem is this was a solution that although it was accepted in the culture, I want you to repeat after me, Although it was accepted in the culture, you got to say it. Although it was accepted in the culture, <laughs> it was not God's plan. God's plan. You, you ever did something that the culture said it was okay, but God disagreed with? So then all of a sudden, it's disaster begins to happen. Have I mentioned that this was a bad plan? If not, I, I know that you're going to pick up on it. Sarah's actions impacted Hagar, who was under the authority of Sarah in the household of Abraham. Now, when we read these first couple of verses, what leaped off the page at me is then when the plan was developed, devised, and ratified, It seems that God's voice 
had to be turned down. And the person who would impact it just as much as impacted Abraham and Sarah all of a sudden got put on, got put on mute. See, sometimes in order to disobey God or to help God out, we think, or to do something, we got to, somebody do this with me so I make sure we got it. We got to turn, you see that? We got to turn the voice of God down instead of praying and asking the Lord, is this the decision that we're supposed to make? Just kind of turn it down. And then the people that it may impact in our life, we got to put them on mute. Because I can't go through with my plan and then all of a sudden think through, how how is this going to impact you? We can easily or even intentionally overlook the collateral damage. And there was a lot of collateral damage here that we can cause to other people, especially when our decisions involve disobeying God. And we don't want to do that, amen? See, some people's, how did I get here, is a direct result of our own actions. If that were not enough, it's compounded by our inability to address the certain issue that we need to turn over to God. And we turn a blind eye to how our decision is impacting other people. And, and, and we, 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 we kind of go the way of the ostrich. You say, what, what, what's the way of the ostrich? I'm glad you asked. <laughs> we simply just do what? We're gonna get all sorts of justice today. Just, we just bury our head, bury our head in the sand. So we can't see the things that that are going on around us. Now, one of the reasons I just love this passage, and it's hard to look at, but I had to admit, when I look over the shoulder at Sarah, you know what I see? Somebody say what so I could tell you. I see in Sarah my own selfishness and my own short-sightedness when it comes to how my actions can impact other people. And I know sometimes that's, that's hard for us. It's hard for even me to hear. So what did I do? I said, oh, let me find out. I asked my family to give me some examples of how my, my actions... <laughs> have put them in a situation where they had to ask, how did I get here? Now, they gave me a list a lot longer than I had anticipated <laughs> and, and too long to, to, to read it to you. But there was one common denominator, and that's that I'm, I can be very impulsive. Don't say amen, Sonia. My wife is sitting right over there. <laughs> you see, I get hit with these cleaning waves. And it's, it's strange because I'm not necessarily, I mean, she does all the cleaning and the house looks great, but when there's papers out and stuff, I just, I blow through the house. I get hit. At least that's my excuse. I get hit with these waves and I just got to get up and just start cleaning. Anybody else get hit with cleaning waves? 
Don't leave me by myself. Somebody admit you. So I'm just seeing papers and here's my trash and throwing them in here and picking up this and going in the freezer. That's been there for too long. They must not want it. Let me throw it away. And all of a sudden this happens. Hey, Ron. No, it's hey, Ronald. That's when you know you're in trouble. (laughs) Hey, Ronald. (laughs) Have you seen my... Where'd you put it? I left. No, I haven't seen it. (laughs) Oh, it's, hey, Dad, you been in my room? No, actually, I've been in my room (laughs) that you sleep in. (laughs) And you, it looks clean. It's supposed to look clean. Where are all my papers? Have you seen my homework? The issue is that I have thrown away, I'm not saying this in a, a, a bragging way at all. I'm, I'm even saying it at a heart that hurts and is trying to, to understand. I'm learning to ask first. That seems so basic, but when I get hit with these cleaning ways, I just want to clean, 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 throw away, throw away, throw away. And I now I'm, I'm starting to stop and ask, hey, do you need this? Can I get a witness on? Don't I do that now? Okay, all right. Get this. Even though I had good intentions, my actions cause other people difficulty. And sometimes that's hard to settle, to settle into and having a responsibility to reverse, reverse the behavior. And Hagar found herself in unfavorable situation by the actions of Sarah. And it's, well, let me put it this way, due to Sarah and Abraham's actions. Abraham is included because he is the head of the household. And he had to sign off on. And I don't see him asking the Lord, is this the right decision either? But then Sarah flips the script on him. And ladies, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm, I'm not saying this about you. It's not necessarily a gender thing, right? But let's look at what happens in verses 5 and 6. Then Sarah said to Abram, you are responsible for the wrong I'm suffering. I put my slave in your arms. And now that she knows that she is pregnant, she despises me. May the Lord judge between you and me. Here go Abraham. Your slave is in your hands. Abram said, do with her whatever you think is best. Then Sarah mistreated Hagar. So she fled from her. Sarah blames Abraham for the pain that she is feeling. And the irony is that Sarah's oblivious to the part that she played in the whole thing. She's the one who came up with the idea. And even more than that, the pain that she's inflicted on this Egyptian slave girl who flees into the wilderness from the safety of 
Abraham and the resources and the family out into the the wilderness, a, a picture of vulnerability where there are all sorts of things that can happen to her. She ran away. Then take a look at what happens in verses 7 through 11. Let me read it to you. The angel of the Lord found Hagar near a spring in the desert. It was the spring that was beside the road to Shur. And he said, Hagar, slave of Sarah, where have you come from and where are you going? I'm running away from my mistress Sarah, she answered. Then the angel of the Lord told her, go back to your mistress and submit to her. The angel added, I will increase your descendants so much that they will be too numerous to count. The angel of the Lord also said to her, you are now pregnant and you will give birth to a son. You shall name him Ishmael, for the Lord has heard your misery. The angel of the Lord went out into the wilderness to meet this hurting mother. That was good news for Hagar, wasn't it? God knows our situations. He knows our circumstances. He knows the difficulties that we face. He has compassion and love for us in the middle of the things that that are going on in our lives. When we hurt, he feels it. He knows your loneliness, stigma, and all the things, the pain that you are feeling. And the reason why is because he experienced all three on the cross. Although circumstances can veil God's presence, don't miss this. His love is both powerful and available. Even when you feel God is silent, he never turns down the volume on your heart. And he'll never put you on mute. He's concerned with the things that are happening to you. Although Hagar faced this difficulty, she followed the instructions given to her by the angel of the Lord. And so impacted was Hagar by this encounter with the Lord who came out there to see her and speak to her. Listen to the conversation. He asked her, what's going on? He allowed her to share what was happening in her heart. He tells her to do a number of things, one of which is to name the son Ishmael, which means God hears and God knows. He set it up so every time that she would speak her son's name, she would be reminded of something beautiful about the Lord who hears and who knows. You may be facing a situation where you feel like God is silent, that he doesn't hear you, that he doesn't know. But let me tell you, his ears are open and attentive to your very prayers. He who made your heart is concerned about the things that are going on in your heart. And so Hagar, she turns and 
She gives God a name. Take a look at verse 13. It says, she gave this name to the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees me. For she said, I have now seen the one who sees me. Say that with me so that can settle in. You are the God, just repeat after me. You are the God who sees me. For I now see the one who sees me. That's amazing. That, that, that is so beautiful. She, she, she called him, I'm a speller, E-L-R-O-I, Elroy, the God who, who sees me. See, God not only sees your circumstances, I'm glad he sees us, the real us. Because sometimes with, with one another, we, we have a tendency to hide some things, don't we? I know we do. You don't have to agree with me. We have a tendency to hide something. But the God who sees us, he sees right down into who we are, the real us. And yet, he loves us. What started off as difficulty, leading to the question, how did I get here? Guess what it turns into? It turns into discovery. And the here now represents God's love, God's concern, God's appreciation for whatever it is that we think makes us less than. He sees how significant you are to the lowly, to the hurting, to the otherwise forgotten. It is from the lips, check this out, from this lowly, outsider, Egyptian slave girl that we get a name for God that is simply beautiful, that reminds us that no matter what difficulty that we're facing, that God sees us that he can deal with the difficulties that this life offers. And it's so beautiful that we can, because he can see us, we need to turn it over to him. Anybody here facing any difficulty? God sees, Elroy sees. He knows, he cares. He's willing to take your difficulty from you which is what I wanted to share with you. God turns your difficulties into doorways so that you can declare his goodness. You don't have to stay in difficulty. Matter of fact, when we decide to turn it over to the Lord, all of a sudden, wow, there's a doorway. And then over time, it may not be right now, you'll declare something beautiful about God the one who sees you, the one who cares. I told you that one of my biggest struggles is that, is it diabetes? I hate to admit it. I wanted to stand before everybody and say my A1C is like 5.5. 5. 
It's a little higher than that. But you know, I've taken that difficulty and I've just given it to the Lord. Lord, I'm going to exercise, diet, do what I'm supposed to do. And guess what? If I have to take insulin along with it, praise be to your name. Because you're still good. I turned it over. I'm not a weight anymore. I just do what I'm supposed to and I have to take it. Glory to God. But that was a struggle for me. Hagar looked at the same circumstances. Only now she saw God. Seeing God allows us to see our circumstances, ourselves, and even others differently. And I realize that some t- because people can be different, we need to lean into what the Lord is revealing as it relates to what to see. And want to hear our lives. If we turn it over to him, it can become like signposts that directs others to the hope and healing that can only be found in him. When we face difficulty, we're turning it over to God, the creator of everything, the one who loves you so. He sees more than your circumstances. He sees and knows and will help you. But we need to turn it over. In the difficulty, when we turn, we'll discover this doorway that leads to God. For some of us, that will mean getting connected to the care that God is providing. He's providing Doorways all around, but we got to lean in and make a decision to receive what he's offering through this caring community that God is raising up. Such is the case for many in our congregation who now are serving as volunteers, one of which is sitting right here. I'm looking back at her. She leads our grief share, Tracy Brader. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, Tracy, but she's the leader of our grief share. Thank God for her ministry and what she's doing after losing her husband. She has leaning into the truth of 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us when we're in any trouble with the same comfort we ourselves has received from God. She's taken the pain and turned it over to God. And even though still it can be difficult, God is using her to minister to so many other people. Or someone else like David Linval. There he's pictured there. One of our prayer team members. A lot of people don't know he deals with chronic pain. But he lives into, he delights to pray for people even in all that pain because he lives into the truth of Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God and the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your heart, that's your feelings and your minds 
He'll do it through Christ Jesus. God turns your difficulties into doorways so that we can declare his goodness. As that truth settles in and you turn over your difficulty with God, I look forward to the day that you're going to stand up and you're going to encourage somebody else because you've seen the help and healing that God provided you that you are going to turn and direct other people to the same God who's El Roy, the God who sees us. Is anybody here can give a, just a, a witness to the God who saw you in your circumstances, he delivered you from it, and now you stand. <clears throat> like Hagar, we can declare to others in difficult situations. Let me tell you, there's a lot of people going through right now, y'all. And they're turning to all sorts of things. But they need to turn to God, the one who's looking right at them. And he's asking them, just turn it over to me and let me guide you out. It's a relationship. He'll lead them out. They'll see his goodness. It may not happen instantly or it may. It may happen over time. But they're connected to the one who loves them more than anybody else could love them. And it'll bring them to a space of healing and hope where they can declare, he's El Roy. He's the God who sees me, the real me. So I don't have to hide or put up pretense, but I can share with him and be who he's asked me to be. God turns your difficulties into doorways so that you can declare his goodness. Let us pray. God, thank you that in our difficulty, when we turn it over to you, you provide a doorway. Thank you for the help and healing that you have provided so now we can stand and declare your goodness. And for some, Lord, they're just in difficulty. So I pray that your Holy Spirit will give them the freedom to turn it over to you, you, God, their creator, Elroy, the God who sees them and loves them and was available to help them. We pray all these things in the name of Jesus. Let everyone who agrees say together, amen and amen.